and welcome to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart, your producer and host, and joining me are my awesome guest hosts, Dr. Stacey Hankinson and Raul Sandlin, writer and producer who recently released the documentary series KGB and the FM Radio Revolution. Let's hit it running, people. Your latest production, KGB and the FM Radio Revolution, is screening at the downtown library, Raul. Any feedback yet? Lots of good feedback. We got an article in the San Diego Union Tribune Yeah, last I week. saw that. Uh, Car- Carla Peterson gave us a really nice write-up. We had really good attendance last Monday at the screening of episode one. We still have four more episodes to go. So, so- A lot of good stuff happening. So awesome. So what's your segment on today? Uh, I'm going to be talking about character development and how we dig deep. Dig deep is right. Let me tell you, it is hard to make a good character. Very hard. And Dr. Stacey Hankinson, how was your trip up to Sonoma? Oh, well, you know, good wine, good food. (laughs) Sideways, baby. Well, you know, sideways is actually the the central coast, but (laughs) same idea. Same idea. Yeah, Wine country. That's right. And what's your segment on? Researching your topics. Ooh, one of my favorite. I I love to research. It's important. We sometimes don't think about it in screenwriting. Okay, we have all that and more coming up, so nobody move, all right? Welcome back to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. Yeah, Minivox. This is actually by Raul Sandalin, all right? Our our music today. But let's go to Dr. Hankinson because Dr. Hankinson, let's dish about digging into the weeds, all right? So I'm going to talk about researching your topics and with screenwriting, often we, we don't think about that. We don't think of it as a research essay where we have to go looking on an online library. But I, I just want to say that it really does add a spark of life to the character and the settings when there's some credibility, when there's, when there's been some work done behind the scenes for it. Absolutely. So some writers find they don't really have to do that, but it, it really, for many writers, is a great idea. Concepts like going to the location, getting to know, if it, for example, if it's a historical screenplay, getting to really know that, that historical setting. Science fiction, doing, doing the research behind whatever the premise is of it. If, if you're writing a fantasy, really exploring the myths behind it. For example, if you were writing about medieval Scotland, like researching what are the will-o'-wisps, what are the things that that embody that kind of fantasy. I think you have to research. I mean, just my experience, I would never try to or attempt to try to write something that I hadn't thoroughly researched it. Well, that that's what I why I wanted to bring this out to the forefront was that this isn't when people think about screenwriting. I don't think they really connect it to academic writing. Whereas, if we were doing an academic research paper, we would be telling our students that you—that's the first step—is go to the library and find your research. But really, it, it is also in screenwriting too. 
So I think it goes, this goes across lines, though. I mean, in my professional field as a former lobbyist up in Sacramento, I had to research the heck out of proposals, new laws that were coming to find out when was it enacted? How was it enacted? What did they say? I've even gone through the archive and looked at video of, of hearings, right? Right. That's so important. And, yeah. and that, I do want to really emphasize that it's really not that much different than academic writing, than lobby writing, than than the other genres. Right. It sounds a lot like world building also, and we've talked about that in the past, how we have to build a world around our characters, a place where everything happens. And in order to do that, we need to look at the history of the area, the the climate, the weather. Right. So, you want to be accurate. Right. Yeah. So that's right. the bottom line. You want you want accuracy. You want it to have more weight than just something whimsical that is based on your own personal experience. I got this idea from listening to a master class by Judy Bloom, who's a really well-known children's writer, adolescent writer, and has written adult books too. And I know, again, I'm borrowing from a different genre, but she she talked about how she didn't always research her characters. She would just write them. And then when she started transitioning to adult books, she, particularly in, in her book, the In the Unlikely Event, which focuses on three plane crashes that actually did mm. occur in the 50s in her small town in New Jersey. And how unlucky. Right. Jeez. And <laughs> so so it it drew from personal experience as well as factual data. And it, it just got me thinking how important it is in screenwriting too, to because we've definitely talked about the crossover in using personal experience in in our screenwriting, and I I know I I do that. Sure. But, but there's the other half of it is is really researching it, and if you're a student listening to this and you're at a college, and this is something I always talk about with my own students, you have access to all kinds of scholarly articles. You can use your school library. You can get into the deep web. Oh, yeah. I mean, what's available today as a student of anything, right? Especially for me. I'm a student of screenwriting right now. And I I get more information just by a few clicks, a few key key touches, and I'm up on everything. Right, but but I am making the distinction here um, again. This is something I would I would be talking to my students. But there's the difference between the deep web and the free web, right? That yeah. there's the free web that everyone has access on Google and Bing. But if if you can, if you have access, if you are a student, and not just if you're a student, but if you right, anybody, if you have access to certain um, databases, for example, educational you can, databases, right? right? That yes, you that's can you... buy a subscription. And you can get into EBSCOhost, Gale Research Center. You can you can find those really peer-reviewed articles that that really have a lot of credibility to it, and show it will just lend a, a level of substantial, greater level of substantial depth to your screenplay. And it goes to the point that it separates you from the next screenwriter, right? that you're able to do that kind of research. Right. So just to take that step that I think is often forgotten in this genre. So so it does, like you're saying, Gail, get you to that, that different state than other people. Wanted to add, too, if we wanted to get off the web itself in its entirety, I, I, I'm reminded of a book by Tony Horowitz called Confederates in the Attic. Mm. Um, it's great. It's about uh, uh, the Civil War, but how the Civil War lingers in the American South even to today. 
And Tony did a bunch of research, but he also drove in his car around the South, you know, going to little towns and staying in little motels and really getting on the ground and talking to people. There's a difference if you go to an actual scene or if you go to a town or if you go to like a, a pool hall, say, in San Francisco, where you're wanting to create this world, right? To sit and observe. Right, mm-hmm. right. And that's that's a legit form of research, definitely, um, to, to have mm-hmm. experiential research. If you can create, again, drawing from my experiences as a professor, um, if you can create an interview with somebody who's related to the situation, who can give you firsthand insight into it, that's also a form of research. So, um, yes, it doesn't just have to be book knowledge. No, in fact, the the interviews are some of the best. Right. You want firsthand experience. You want firsthand, you know, this is what I saw. Right, right. And, and you can't always achieve that in a peer-reviewed article. But I, I think it's still, even coming into that interview, you're going to sound more prepared and more just more credible to everyone if you do that research first. So when we go back to screenwriting and doing this research, I've done a lot of research on saving on my Saving Jimmy script because it's based on my brother's experience and my own experience about him being uh, a a pool shark kind of and uh, how great he was at one time. But this is the deal. I had to research the palace billiards that he was talking about up in San Francisco. It's no longer there. Corcoran's is no longer there. These are two famous pool halls that were up in San Francisco uh, during the during this late their 60s and even before, I think. Uh, I'm reminded of Larry King, the great interviewer who passed away recently. And they always kidded Larry King because he never did any research. Okay? And he didn't have to. He didn't have to. Um, <laughs> his whole team. point... His whole point was he liked to be surprised, so he never read the person's book before interviewing the author, never watched the film before interviewing the actor. But that was Larry King, and that right. worked you once. You can't, only have, you can't do that. Yeah. yeah, and not something that would be a good general practice for no. somebody breaking into the industry. But if you're Larry King, I think you can get away with it. But, yeah, I wouldn't advise that myself. It's the exception that proves the rule. He was able to do it because he was Larry King, and it works when one person does it here and there. But for everybody else, we need to... you, you got to do, do the work. Depth. you got to right. do the work. Right, so, so just in... in summary, I would just say definitely use it as the first step, just as you would do any kind of any kind of paper, any kind of genre. And then when you're done, read it through again and look for any holes in the screenplay that could use more research. And then go back and, and fill those holes in if you need to. You know, and also when someone's watching this, if you get it produced and it's out there, if someone's watching it, they know, you know, they know whether it's accurate or not. So it's you lay your soul to bear, baby, when you produce a show <laughs> like this. It better be right. You, that's right, Gail. That's true. Absolutely. So I have one last question. Yeah. How was the wine in Sonoma, oh. my dear? <laughs> <laughs> it's It's hard to come back from a trip like that, but... Oh, we went to Rutherford Grill. We went to Salt and Stone. Some of the best places in the wine country. So um, it was a great trip. So, you, so is it safe to say that you drank your fair share? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome back to the San Diego Screenwriter Studio. I'm Gail Stewart. Joining me, Dr. Stacy Hankinson and the new famous Raul Sandalin. Woohoo! Well, thank you. Thank you, Gail. <laughs> I wouldn't say famous, but thanks anyway. Well, hey, you got an article mentioned in the San Diego Union Tribune, right? You oh. were. Right. Yep, yep. That's right. So there you go. Hey, what are you going to talk about today? Character development, right? Character development and starting from the bottom up. That's good. Let's hear it. Uh, Well, last time I talked about Comedia dell'arte, and we bantered a little bit about stock characters and how to go out into uh, different sources and find characters. And there's other sources, you know, the Greeks and the Romans, the English Renaissance, Going to other cultures and looking at the the theatrical traditions in, you know, non-European, non-English speaking um, cultures. Um, And I want to go back to that. There's mythology, Joseph Campbell, the foremost expert on mythology. So I want to talk a little bit more about sources for finding different characters. But today I want to talk about how to develop a character. And there's five basic traits Uh, Trait number one is the self, the conscious self, the first person I. Every character relates to themselves and calls themselves I. Sure. Then there's number two, which is the subconscious self, which is the part of that character that the character doesn't control, the baggage, the trauma, uh, the bad habits, you know, chain smoking, a character. You know, know, I was watching the series Flaked. It's an old series, uh, several years old, but it was pretty good. It's with Will Arnett. He wrote it um, with Mark, I think it's Mark Chappelle. Anyhow, this I didn't like this guy, the protagonist. I didn't like him, but he had bad traits. He was, Ron, he was just, a, he was a liar, okay? And he couldn't keep his story straight. That was a mess. But yeah, that's one of his traits. Yeah, and a lot of times that's the conflict between the self, the person uh, he's in com- complete control of, and that subconscious self that's lurking below the surface. Right, and you can layer that too because he was also an alcoholic and he was lying about being sober. So that was another whole thing that was going on, you know? Absolutely. And then there's also the person or the characters in group, the home team, the people, the friends, the family, the mm-hmm. people they relate to, you know, and if, if the, the character is I, this home team is the we. Um, and then there's the other team, uh, the out group, the opposing team, the rival group that the character is always uh, striving or um, striving against. The antagonist, then, right? The, the antagonist. Sure. Um, and then ultimately there is the worldview, how the character sees the world. And this world could be, you know, the sports page, if this was a sports fan. Or it could be, you know, uh, inter-nation rivalries on the international stage. Or it could be the entire universe. So it's just... You know, it's going to depend on character to character, but every character has a way that they see the world and how they fit in what the ab- world. What about physical traits? Now, I, I was always, I've been called on the carpet in some of my classes, screenwriting classes. Well, you know, what about the physical trait? What does, this, what does this character have that separates them from this other character? Do they have a different gait? Do they have a different speech pattern? And that's helpful to differentiate your characters is to have them have a different, a real obvious difference. Yeah. The audience watches what happens on the screen. 
They watch what characters do, how characters act, the physical things they do. Do they limp, like you said? Do does a character have Kaiser a certain, so say. have a certain <laughs> gait? Does I the love char- that character. <laughs> does the character chain smoke? What does the character do outwardly? But before we can develop that, we have to develop the whys. Do they do that? You know, which that's means the backstory, which right? Means it's the backstory. It's Stacy's researching the topic, researching the character. It's developing these other inner motivations. What's happening subconsciously? You know that makes that character chain smoke, or what happened in that character's past that makes them limp. Yeah. So to your point, I'm my segment coming up is going to be on how to pitch your script, and of course, when you're pitching your script, you've got to be able to tell the producers or the execs what is the motivation what motivates your character yeah every character has to have inner motivation the thing is the audience may not see all of that mm. however the screenwriter has to see all of it they have to know well, you have yeah. to know everything everybody's got you got to know everything about your character inside and out so you need to know your character and develop your character far beyond what the audience is actually going to see on the screen mm-hmm. that's the sort of moral of the story mm-hmm. how do those characters fit into a group Um, Once you have your character, then you have to decide what the group's going to look like. And I said something about the in-group, the the home team, if you will. Right, the out-group. And the out-group. You're going to have a leader, an alpha. And Mm -hmm. this is the person who is identical to the group. The group is this person, and this person is the group. Then you're going to have a second-in-command. And that second-in-command may be faithful to the leader, Um, Maybe not, maybe mutinous on certain occasions. So that second in command differs from group to group. It's like your road dog. Yeah, yeah, the sidekick. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes the second in command might be a second in command for sale, meaning if another company Mm. hires or lures that person away. They could go somewhere else. Sure. And but the but by and large the second in command is faithful to the leader. Mm-hmm. You know, the vice president. The Well like, that's why they're the sec that's why they're the sidekick. Second right? in command. Yeah. They yeah. don't they don't cause any problems, so the leader doesn't doesn't kill them off. <laughs> then you have a <laughs> It gets better. If, if you have a group, you also need an internal rival. And this is different from the antagonist in the story. This isn't the villain. This is somebody within the group itself. They rub them the and, wrong way. And I have several of those people in my life. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think all we have to do is look no further than our own families. To oh, find my that. God. So but, kind of like in Mean Girls, like when there's a group, but there's some there's so rivals within the group. Sure, there mean to everybody else but they're also mean to each yeah. other yeah so, yeah and the external traits often mirror in some way the internal traits of the group so it's no surprise that they're mean to everybody else but they're also vying to see who can be the meanest amongst themselves and then you also have other characters like the joker the one who's always playing the tricks providing comedic relief yeah, yeah, yeah. Native and, American. Yeah. And, and then you also have the agnostic, the neutral person, the person who is not a rival, but he's not buying the alpha leader's 
complete package either. Not drinking the Kool-Aid yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> kind of floats a little bit on the edge of the group. Yeah. But what's interesting with that character, when we create irony within our stories, often it's the agnostic who becomes the main supporter at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the one who doesn't seem to care all the way through, right. but runs in and rescues the leader Right their character the their character arc is 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 complete and satisfactory. So those are five characters you can build within a group. The leader, the second in command, mm-hmm. the internal rival, the joker and the agnostic. And then when you add friends, family, love interests to all five of those, you have a pretty complex little strata or harem of characters for your story. That's the thing I'm dealing with right now in Saving Jimmy is the how many characters do you put in there? And I've gotten some feedback from my writing group is like, oh, let's do another pull haul and have lots of characters that, you know, try to take him on and, and become the, the, the main alpha pool shark, right? And this is a half hour sitcom? Yes, it's just hard. Yeah, and that's going to have its own limitations Absolutely. versus, say, a 60 minute dramedy or drama show. Absolutely. Well, I just wanted to know how you got first interested in this topic. Topic, or all. Developing characters? Because I am a filmmaker and a screen would-be screenwriter or wanna-be screenwriter, I'm realizing that every story starts with the character. I think the bottom line on this is that you better know your characters inside and out. That goes back to the Bible. And as Stacy said, do your research. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dr. Hankinson, right. she scores again. <laughs> We'll be right back on the San Diego Screenwriter Studio on KNSJ, San Diego's only social justice network. Welcome back. Gail Stewart here. You're going to pitch your script. Do you know how to do that? It could be a TV show. It could be a movie. But you know what? If you meet a producer in the elevator, you better have your elevator pitch in your pocket. So there's two types of pitches. One is the standard, and that's a we'll get to that one, but and then there's the elevator pitch, which is exactly what it sounds like. You're in the elevator or you have a minute to talk to somebody about it and you want to pique their interest, so you got to really have some good ideas. The standard, this is probably the scariest and it has to be rehearsed. You got to rehearse this thing because this is where you are scheduled to go into a room with executives or industry producers and And you literally sell your soul, I mean your script, sorry, to a group of investors or production company executives. Okay, full disclosure, I haven't done this yet, but I have done a pitch on Zoom with my class. And it was great because you have to really be prepared to do this and you kind of have to memorize some stuff. This is your entire script. You got to know all about it. And the there will be pressure. Now, when I did mine in my class, the pressure level is maybe a two. I mean, I had like six people watching me, including the, the, the instructor, but, but not too bad. But if you go into Hollywood and you're pitching something, your pressure is going to be through the roof because this is it. It's a make or break deal. When I did mine, it was about seven minutes. But of course, the elevator pitch is about 60 a minute. If you're in a meeting with executives, they're going to ask you questions as you pitch your story. So this pitch could realistically last from 15 to 30 minutes. And it goes without saying, you have to know all the answers to the questions 
that you expect them to ask. I just want to know what tips you have for staying calm in a situation like that. It's kind of like doing your research and it's kind of like knowing your characters. I have to know everything about my story. You have to have the title, the log line, the genre, and you have to know the theme. You have to think where this might play. Is it going to, because they may ask you, well, where do you see this, this, this show playing? You have to say, well, I see it as a one camera sitcom uh, streaming on Netflix. That's where I see it. So basically just preparation is what keeps you calm. Also, you know the answers to most questions so that they can't stump the chump. And then also if you go in and you don't drink coffee, I think I would I would delete the coffee from the from the uh, intake the morning before I went into one of these things. Really? Because, well, I just wouldn't want any any frayed nerves at all. You want to be as cool as a cucumber. And I think if we take our time when we're answering questions and we're delivering our pitch in a calm manner, I think you'll get through it. You mentioned stump the chump, and yeah, <laughs> I, I do know. <laughs> That you need to be prepared for any kind of gotcha questions, which means oh, this is why you need to go in, you know, need to do your research and be prepared at many, many levels. Because they may ask you, well, where was this character born? And if you haven't thought about that, you're going to get stumped. Kind of have cliff notes, uh, especially about the premise, okay? You have to include a section in your pitch that summarizes your entire script. Now, this is something that you don't want to spend too much time on. But what you do include in this uh, this summary is the key points or the beats of the of the script that move it along the engine. Never give them the whole enchilada, though. It, it kind of like you know, some say tell them the whole story, but some say no, 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 no. Don't give them the whole enchilada. Don't tell them the whole story, especially the end of the story, unless of course an executive in the room says, "Hey, and so how does the story end?" Then of course you give it up. They're going to also be sold by you. So it's how you present this, the enthusiasm you bring to it, the the depth you bring into it. And if, you know, they're going to make their decision in 30 seconds a minute, even if it's a 10 or 20 Whether they like you or not, or whether they want to invest. So they got to believe that you are the right person to tell the story. And I think Joey Tuccio from Roadmap Writers, he always mentions that, you know, why you? I mean, anybody could tell the story, but why does it make it a difference that it comes from you? Now, so the third one is characters, right? And in my script, I've talked about it, Saving Jimmy, half-hour sitcom. I have a lot of characters, as I mentioned, but I would only mention, if I was doing this pitch, I would only mention a few of them. I'd mention my main protagonist, which is Jimmy, the secondary one, like your second lieutenant, which would be Annie. She's God in in the sitcom. And then the main antagonist would be little Louie, and he's the devil. And I definitely mention Jimmy's world, which includes Danny, his brother, and Jesse, his sister, only because they're important to Jimmy and he's one of the main protagonists. We don't want to leave that out. You got to mention their motives, the character arcs, and even maybe the traits of the character, right? Are they nervous? Are they laid back? Are they ambitious? And again, you have to know the, the answers to that. And finally, you have to have a compelling conclusion. Like everybody wants a cliffhanger, but you've got to have something. And from my radio and television news days, I loved having a zinger at the end of my investigative reports because the zinger makes people think. So my motto then as an investigative reporter was effect change, mean make something happen with what you do. I've really noticed on a lot of the Netflix 
sitcoms that are out right now that they they end on a absolute cliffhanger, like the kind of thing that you just have to keep watching it. And sure, that's the whole point, and, right? Yeah, I was just wondering if that's something that you're always aiming for. Oh, absolutely. Well. I mean, they in the classes, my rewrite class right now. It's like, okay, so what? What's going to be the end of season of episode one, and what's the end of the season? The entire season. I mean, she wants to know that kind of stuff. So I just want to kind of end on this, and that is, you got to practice the pitch. You have to practice the pitch. In fact, I've already taken a pitch class. I'm taking another one. It's called James Pitch and Kitchen Class. We want to get the information out there, and you want to be able to do it succinctly, especially if you're in the room with some executives. Final thoughts on today's program. I got to tell you, we had a good conversation, but next week we're going to be talking about our scripts and we have asked you guys to send in your scripts i haven't received any so what we're going to do next week do a little few little table reads of our own script i'm going to put on saving jimmy roll i'm going to talk about oedipus rex all right stacy the sessions Ooh, with your therapist yes the good guy or the bad guy the quirky offbeat one okay we like him yes (laughs) who turns dark later oh god okay here we go so Thank you to all of our listeners and to my co-hosts, Raul Sandalin and Dr. Stacy Hankinson and our volunteer team at KNSJ, San Diego's Community Social Justice Network. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Oh, thank you.